On this week's episode of the Amy Center Podcast, we sit down with actor and community servant Jose Santiago Jr. But before we get into that, a word from our sponsors. We are here with Jose Santiago Jr. He is an actor, a community servant, and a wonderful guy, man. He's 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 awesome. How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. I'm out with yourself. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on your ranch. Oh man, oh, thanks for coming out. I know it's a drive, but it's, it's a drive, but it's beautiful. It's peaceful, isn't it? God, just to paint the the whole thing for the podcast world. I am sitting on a ranch in Indiana. It's beautiful. It's spacious. It's everything my wife wants it to be. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm you can to, have it. You can have it. <laughs> I'm. It's beautiful, man. I'm gonna have to. Uh, so I wanted to get into your backstory, man, because you were telling me a little bit off air, and I. I mean, I had goosebumps. I already told you. So how did you get into film? All right. Um, I believe it was in 20, 2012. Yeah, it was in 2012. Okay. I had just uh, quit working for the Union Pacific Railroad. I was working for them for a couple of years. And uh, rewind before that, I was actually a chef for 14 years. Oh. So... You went to school for that? Yeah, went to culinary school. I went out to New York and uh, worked under Jacques Pepin and Jacques Torres, okay. uh, the French master chefs. And I had, I had a very you know lucrative career as a chef. I loved it. I loved what I did. But um, it all changed uh, when my daughter was around 18. Okay. And I came home and she's like, hey, dad, are you going to make it to my graduation? And I said, what? I thought maybe graduating a little elementary school. Yeah. My daughter was four years old when I started to, my chefing career. Uh-huh. And uh, she's talking about high school. And you missed all that. 14 years. 14 years of her life. For, uh, my son is two, two years younger, 12 years of his. Okay. My other son is a year younger, so 11 years of his. And then the baby, okay. uh, Gordy, the one who actually works for me now, my 19-year-old who works for Santiago Construction. Okay. So we're back then right now, and it was, uh, it was an eye-opener because not only was she getting ready to graduate high school, my daughter, my little girl was pregnant. And you didn't know. And I didn't know. That's, that's how much time and energy I spent in the kitchen as a chef and as an executive chef. I was running three big steak and seafood houses, you know, okay. restaurants. So there was no time for, there was never a Christmas for the kids with me. There was never a Thanksgiving. There was never a New Year's. Every holiday, I was at, I was at work, and with that with that kind of career, you're you're there six seven days a week sometimes, and you're there 12, 14 hour days. Wow! So to look back and see that I I gave I gave them a great life. They had a, they oh, had yeah. everything they wanted. Beautiful houses we lived in, um, but the only thing they wanted was their dad. He he wasn't there. And that's so, something you can't buy. You can't get it back. I don't care how much money you got in the world. I don't care how much you go to church and you beg God or whoever, you're never going to get those 14 years back. And those kids grew up with a dad, but daddy wasn't there. Yeah. So that's, that was kind of the, the wake up call for me. So I went into work the next day and I, and I resigned and, uh, I said, I'll never put my kids through that again. You know? So my marriage was already on the road. It was, it was, my marriage was over. My first marriage was over uh-huh. and that was fine. You know, it was better for us not to be together. I, I wasn't in love with her. I loved her for having the kids. I loved her for, ha- for being the mother of my kids. Yeah. Wasn't in love with the woman. So it was better for us just to not be together. Her go her way my, and me go my way, uh-huh. you know? But uh, then we fast forward a couple 
a year later and I end up getting a job at the railroad, which I'm really happy about, you know, great benefits and blah, 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 and, you know, all retirement. And that's what everybody looks for today. Um, so I went to the railroad. I, I told him, okay, I want to work in the yard, the Joliet yard. Uh, that's so, such a opposite. Like you went from a chef right. to railroad. That's, right. Okay. That's a opposite. Yeah. Direction. I, I was a conductor and I was getting ready to get my engineer's license, uh -huh. but, um, they threw me on the road. And when I'm on the road, I slept in my bed maybe three times a month. So now I wasn't even home at oh. all. And I got a grandbaby on the way. My, my, my sons are following my daughter right behind her, getting ready to graduate high school. And I'm, like, I'm going to miss their graduations. So I said, you know what? I, I worked the railroad three years. They laid us off for like almost nine months, which was the best nine months of my life because I spent all the time at home with, with the kids. kids. Yeah. And then I get a call in the middle of something like, okay, you're ready to come back to work. I said, no, I'm not. I asked you guys not to do that, and I asked you not to leave me on the road, put me in the yard so I can go home every day. And again, I was out. I was away for the holidays. Yeah. I got stuck out in Iowa for two days, at, you know, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, blah, 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 whatever. So I quit. Yeah. And now I'm unemployed. And now I'm like, okay. Uh, and because of my history with, you know, growing up in the streets and the gangs and stuff like that, uh, dealing drugs, I didn't have a really good record. Uh -huh. Couldn't get a really good job. So I had to take whatever I could get and thought about it so i said okay i'm gonna figure something out and i was unemployed uh -huh. for the nine months but i was getting unemployment from the railroad my pension and stumbled across an armed bank robbery one day going to my mom's house to help her my dad was in puerto rico his, his stepfather was dying so he was out there my mom was at home she called me up she said she needed some help so I'm on my way over there, and I stumble upon uh, BMO Harris Bank getting robbed uh, in Hammond, Indiana. You went inside the bank, or was it happening? No, it, was, it already happened. The robbery already happened. Yeah. They were on their way out. They came out, guns blazing, shooting up the wow. cop car. The whole SUV, they, they loaded it up. And un unfortunately, they hit the cop three times in his leg. So he's down on the ground, bleeding out. Everybody around him is just looking like idiots with their cell phones, taking a video or going live on something. I'm like, help God. this guy. He's bleeding. So I jump out of my truck from across the street, run across the street, go help him out. And one of these guys came back to finish him off. Like, I don't know what the problem was. I don't know. They had the money. They were gone. Uh -huh. One of them came back and then shot again at him, but didn't realize that I was down there kneeling down trying to help the guy. Uh -huh. So, so yeah. I took it as he shot at me. And then that's, that's a big no-no from where I'm from. I mean, I'm from the streets. Yeah. You shoot at me, you better hit. Because if you don't, I'm going to come after you. Uh -huh. And I did. I chased him down. And I chased him down until he jumped over a fence. Then I went back to my truck, which they'd never seen it. Because uh -huh. it was across the street. I jumped in my truck, went down the same road. And people were like, how, how did you know? How could you know? And I always, you know, it's, it's sad to say, but in order to catch a criminal, you've had to have been a criminal. One. Yeah. You would have to think and know and act like a criminal. That just that doesn't come to anybody. Uh -huh. You had to have been one. So I knew they were on the other side of that, uh, that driveway, I mean the alley. So I kind of figured, okay, let me go check it out. And there they were getting into the Cadillac and they were just cruising down the road. The cops were flying down the street and they were right past them. Uh -huh. They didn't even know, they don't know anything about these guys. All they know is that there's an officer down and they're all heading to the bank. Yeah. But these guys are just cruising right past the cops. And I'm on the dispatch, like telling them, turn around, you idiots. They're right in front of me. I'm in a big gray truck. There's two guys in a black Cadillac, all tinted out. They're, those are the guys who robbed the bank. They tell me to back off, back off. I said, oh, back off my ass. They shot at me. Yeah. That's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm going after these guys. <laughs> so I went after them. As soon as I, they turned the corner, I hit the back of their vehicle and spun them out. 
Uh, next thing you know, the cops came, surrounded my vehicle, surrounded their vehicle. They got away for about a mile and a half, and then they got caught. And um, I was all over the news. Uh, I was being interrogated because of my history. Uh-huh. So know, they thought you had They thought I was involved in it, and I was probably getting cut out of the deal. So that's yeah. why I, you know. So it was, it was just a big, uh, it was a big mess. And then uh, I was finally released by the uh, Hammond Police Department. And next thing you know, my, about two weeks later, my phone's ringing from uh, Joan Philo casting for extras on Chicago Fire. And you never and submitted? I, I never submitted myself. Uh-huh. I, I didn't know what the hell Chicago Fire was. I'm like, I don't play soccer. <laughs> and everybody's like, no, it's a TV show. I said, I never watch TV. I don't watch TV. I don't have time. Yeah. So they're like, well, you know, maybe you want to come out and, uh, you know, hang out on the set with, uh, you know, this and this and that. How did that, how did it get to jo- Joan Philo? I have no idea. I think my cousin, Lisa. Okay. I think she said something. Because <laughs> uh-huh. my family was kind of proud at that time of what I had done. That is amazing. Because of all my history, yeah. I finally gave them something to be proud about and, and, and say my name. My name was like, my name was kind of like voodoo. It was like Candyman. Yeah. You didn't say my name around the family because no one really cared. Yeah. No one liked it. No one liked me. And I, I get it. I get it. I put myself in that position. I came from a great family. I chose the streets. The streets didn't choose me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I got to get that out there first because he was like, oh, he's from the street. No, the streets didn't choose me. Yeah. I chose that life, and that was a life that if I could go back, if I could go back and change anything, I wouldn't have spent 25 years in that life. What made you choose it? Um, you know, uh, I came from hardworking parents. We didn't have a lot of money. My mom and dad did the best they could for us. But um, I always had bigger dreams and aspirations and goals. You know, so I wanted, I wanted more. And I was raised that if you don't work for it, you ain't going to get it. So I did whatever I had to do to get it, which was going out in the streets and hustling and selling dope, you know, so, and yeah, it taught me a lot, taught me the street game and and, and street life and everything else and knowledge. But you know what? It it didn't teach me. uh, It didn't teach me um, uh, consciousness because when you're out in the street, you don't have a conscience. Yeah. It's either you or me. You know, and I lived like that for years. And then when I finally started to sit back and look back and realize, man, the people I hurt, the families that I hurt, yeah, that's that's unforgivable. I mean, to me, I mean, somebody hurt me like that, it's that'd be unforgivable. Yeah, you know. But I did um, when I did start to change my life around after I got on TV and and started seeing things go into a different era and and, and a venue for me. I'm like, man, let me let me just uh, I got to make amends. I got to apologize to a lot of people, yeah. starting with my family, my mom and dad, because, yeah. you know, that hurt them the most. Uh, my kids, forget about it. I mean, I apologize to them. I think I still, I think I still apologize to them today. <laughs> but they all, they, those are my kids. You know, those, yeah. they, they, they love me, whatever. They don't, they don't. I get it. Yeah. I get it. When you're not around, dude, I mean, I get that they don't need a dad. They're grown, yeah. they, you know, but... There's, as you can see, whenever I'm doing the videos, the grandkids are here. My kids are around. We're starting to get the relationship back, and, and I'm, I'm honored and blessed to have that. That's a blessing. You know, I'm humbled, you know. Yeah. Um, but I had to go back, and, and I, I had to go back and see some of these people that I hurt them or hurt their families. And uh, I asked for forgiveness, you know. Yeah. And a lot of them did forgive. Um, a lot of them just said, you know, you have to live with that the rest of your life. And, yeah, I do. I, I will. I, I get it. 
I have to live with it. I know, but you also do too. And I want to let you know that I am so sorry for whatever yeah. pain or suffering I've caused you or your family. And one family didn't take it too lightly. Yeah. And I didn't get pretty much off the front porch before the cousins and the brothers came out and beat me down, you know. But I, I earned that beating. You know, I had that coming. I had that coming from 15 years. So, but after all that was said and done, I figured if I can go through hell like that and walk away, then nothing's going to stop me from doing what I want to do or achieving any kind of goal yeah. that I set myself to achieve or set up for myself yeah. to, 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 to aim for. You know, if you don't have any goals, and that's the thing, man, people, it, it's really important to have goals. And a lot of people don't see it that way. But if you have goals, nothing can stop you. Yeah. You know, only especially if you stick to it. You can yeah. anybody can have goals, yeah. but if, if 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 you if you if you stick with your goals, you're going to achieve you know, a lot of things. You're going to achieve uh self-pride. Yeah. Okay? Self-love. First of all, yeah. you got to love yourself. I didn't love myself for a long time. I was I I, I was praying for the days of somebody coming and blow my brains out so my life would end because I was tired of living that life. Yeah, you know. And now I look back, I was like, man, I'm glad nobody did because of all the the car accidents and the shootings and whatever that I was involved in, I should not be here doing the things that I'm doing. I should be either in prison for the rest of my life or dead. But I guess there was a better plan. There was something different. And I think that armed bank robbery was the turning point. And I know it was. It was a turning point in my life that I had to turn things around and, 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 and live right and do right by myself and my family. And like you said, um, in order to catch a criminal, you have to think like one. Right. So if you weren't in that street life. I would have never known what they were going to do. Exactly. I would have never known which route they were going to take or how. Because they did it in my hometown, that's not my hometown, it's my parents' hometown right yeah. now, because we're all from East Chicago. It happened in Hammond, Indiana, uh -huh. which is still our hometown. Mm -hmm. But I know the quickest exits, I know the quickest routes to the highways, I know the back roads, I know the alleys. So they weren't going to get away from me. They would have gotten away from the police. Yeah. And I, I'm actually doing a deck right now uh -huh. for the ex-chief of police at Hammond, the man who you just saw the award, yeah. the one who gave me that award. And when he saw it was me, he gave me the biggest hug I've gotten in a long time. He's like, because of you, those two guys are in prison and that cop's living. You're always going to be a hero in my eyes, no matter oh what God. your record said. Yeah. He goes, and by the way, how's that working out for you? I said, it just, for some reason, everything was gone. Yeah. He's like, that's the least we could do for you. That is awesome. So clean slate. I started off with a clean slate after that. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Not all heroes wear capes, man. Nah. I commend you for that. Everybody says, oh, yeah, that was a hero. I said, no, I was, a, I was an idiot. Because yeah. if I had a chance to do it again, I probably would. Because that's just who I am. Yeah. I, I, I love people, man. And I love human life. And I just believe everybody, everybody can change. Yeah. Everybody needs a chance. These kids, they need a chance. You know, uh, criminals need a chance. Yeah. I get it. They did some bad stuff in their life. I did, too. But if no one ever, if, if, if everybody kept looking at me like that, I would never yeah. be where I'm at today. And, and if everybody deserves a second chance, but everybody needs to earn will it. to change. Right. All right. Because anybody could change, but unless you want it for yourself, you will not change. Absolutely. You gotta, you gotta want to change. Um, it's like getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror. For years, I didn't look in the mirror because I didn't like you what didn't I like saw. Your reflection. I didn't like who, I didn't like who was in the mirror. Yeah. You know, I know, I know that guy. He, he's a gangbanger, a drug dealer, uh, killer, or whatever you want to call it. You know, um, 
that was that. I didn't look in mirrors. I didn't have to look in mirrors. I know what I looked like. Yeah. Uh, when I was single and I would date people, they were like, "Oh, what do you do for a living?" Uh, I would make up something. Yeah. I would say, "I'm still a chef." I mean, who's gonna go home and tell their mom and dad they're dating a drug dealer? Yeah. You know, I mean, or you know, whatever. You know, I mean, you're a drug dealer. You're you're the you're lower than a a worm. Yeah. You're lower than a piece of gum under somebody's shoe. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's not something you're proud of. You know that you that you go and announce to everybody. So you know that was a turning point, and it's just like I said, you gotta love yourself. You gotta want to make the change. It's hard. It, it gets really hard, especially when you had the people coming back. Come on, man. Come on, man. The game ain't the same. Yeah, it ain't the same because you guys are killing each other. When I was growing up and I was in the game, we had loyalty. We had honor and respect. You didn't take out the boss because you wanted to be the boss. You didn't take out the boss's right-hand man because you wanted to be the right-hand man. You, you, knew, you stayed in your lane. Yeah. If you wanted to start your own crew, you go start your own crew. But you don't try to take over your, the crew that put you on. You know? And today, that's not the case. My best friend, oh, oh yeah, I'm the man, I'm the man. And then his best friend shot him in the back of the head. Yeah, now, now he's the man. Now he's the man. See, it's, it's just, it, it's, it, it's gotten sickening. You know, every, this whole world has gone, has gone, I hate to say it, but it's gone batshit. It is, and, and I'm, I'm going to piggyback off what you said in the beginning where everybody was pulling out their phones yeah. when the police got shot and he was coming back. Instead of helping or dialing no. 911, they were recording yes. that shit. They were recording it that is and loving it, loving it. And I'm like, are you are you kidding me? This guy's show. dying here. You know, it's fucking so it's it's just a, it's just what it's the state of mind of people that we that they live in this world today. Yeah. Okay. Nobody wants to work hard for anything. Yeah. Everybody wants it given to them. Yeah. Okay. Nobody wants to earn anything. They are entitled to it. Mm-hmm. My kids. You see this ranch? This is ten acres. Uh-huh. This is mine. When I die. If I decide I'm going to leave it to you, you get it. If I decide to sell it before I die, you get shit. You're not entitled to anything. The thing is with these kids today, they're entitled to everything. Oh, my mom and dad own this. And my mom, yeah, your mom Mom and and dad. dad And like my kids, oh, you got got money. You're right. I I got got money. money. You ain't got shit. You're broke. That's what I, you know what? My my daughter's too young for me to instill that in her, but I tell her that all the time. We go to places and she's like, buy this for me. Or I want to go to Disney. Yeah. Yeah. I do too, but we're not going. But you have money. I don't care if I have right. money. I worked hard for this well, money. Just to throw it away. Yeah. You know, and Disney's old joke. That's for six, $10,000. You go, exactly. see what, a couple rats? I'm good. <laughs> Come out here to my, to my ranch. You see all kind of field mice. <laughs> Call them Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Next time she says, let's go to Disneyland, I'm going to bring it yeah, bring out here to the ranch. We'll, we'll, we'll go back here by the, by the fire pit and pop out a couple balloons. And here you go, there baby. You go. We're here. We're here. Exactly that mindset. It's, like it's entitlement. It's entitlement. Um, when you took away discipline from the teachers and then the principals and the schools and the parents, they started doing this 20 years ago. I don't know if you remember because I'm 45. So 20 years ago, I was 25. Uh-huh. They started doing this crap 20 years ago where they took out Pledge of Allegiance out of the school. Yeah. Took out prayer in the school. Yeah. They took out discipline. It took discipline away from the teachers and the principals and the deans. You cannot hit the kids no more. Then they took away the discipline from home. Oh, if your parents hit you, call 911. It's child abuse. Mm-hmm. DCFS. So good. So they did all that 25 years ago. 25 years ago, they started their little witch hunt, the, the government. Yeah. And here we are today. 
And you fucks can't control anybody. Nope. These kids are out there killing each other. They're shooting up their teachers. They're shooting up the schools. Thank you for taking away discipline. You know why I didn't shoot up schools when I was a kid? Because I got my ass with my dad. Mm-hmm. If I even would have thought about shooting somebody when I was a kid, I would get lit up by my dad. Or the principals. Or the teachers. Or get expelled. No. And there's no child left behind crap. What? kind of shit is that that means he can't even say his abcs but we're putting him in the second grade yeah he can't even multiply but he's graduating high school yeah you're raising we're raising a bunch of idiots yeah. mutants raising idiots and putting them in the workforce and it's, it's just ridiculous and all this protest oh i'm getting paid when the hell did you start getting paid to protest they can go protest and their job has to pay them i didn't realize that it's a new law if, uh, that's that. their right to protest. I did, I did so if someone wants to go protest, they still get paid. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, up is down, left is right, right is left. Everything's <laughs> backwards in this world now. And, and people don't get it. And I'm like, it's these, and it's not all the millennials, but no. it's the majority of them. Yeah. They think that they got to come out of, out, of, out of high school or college making 150 grand a year. You know how long it took me to make 120,000 a year? Yeah. 30 years of my life. They want to come out of school making that. I'm like, that's entitlement. Yeah. You're entitled to shit. Yeah. You know, you go go become a doctor or a lawyer and make that kind of money. But they, they just want to come out of school and get a job and make $120,000 a year. Exactly. Because that's the cost of living. The government is is, is constantly raising the, the, uh, the property taxes and, and, the, and the cost of the living for everybody. But you're not raising uh, wages. No. We're the lowest paid country in a lot of countries. We are the... For being as industrial as we are with the the, the steel and, and the manufacturers and man our people are just getting crapped on. i mean we're just getting shit on but this is the greatest place to live but it is the greatest place to live yeah supposedly yeah i don't know sometimes i think about giving up citizenship and going to canada or i don't know become a ecuadorian or something i don't know man it might be easier become an ecuadorian yeah you know because it's crazy <laughs> Oh my God! So we 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 veered off. So you got the call from from uh, Joe Philo to go on set. How was that experience? That was crazy because my first day on there, um, when I got to set, when I got to the office to Cinespace, and I actually met Joan Philo. She pulled me aside. She was like, "You're Jose Santiago." I said, "Yeah." She goes, "It's an honor to meet you." And I'm like thinking to myself, "Like, who is this lady? And why is she? And why is she like honored to meet me?" The story was out already on over the news. On the papers. Yeah, so, I mean, Joan, Joan took me out. And like I said, I just thanked her and Kim for that. I mean, it, it's very, after all that, my career has been very lucrative and my outlook on life has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I never thought about being an actor or anything like that, or, or I did drama in school, but I mean, I didn't think it was gonna ever take off to do what, I was, what I'm doing. You had now. drama in school and you had drama in real life. Right, right, I, I had, had drama, drama in high school. To film. A lot of drama in real life. Yeah. But um, she took me to the set which was the actual uh, set inside of the fire station. Uh-huh. And when we got there, she introduced me to the actual cast. Taylor Kenny, Jesse Spencer, all of them. Yeah. Uh, um, Joe Minoso. Joe Minoso, all of them. The original cast of Chicago Fire, the first season one. Uh-huh. Uh, or season, yeah, season one. They already had a couple episodes. Uh-huh. Introduced me to these guys, and they were... M- they were so caring and, and, and welcoming. They were like, dude, you're a real life hero. And I'm like, no, and I said, knew. no. And they knew. Yeah, I'm like, no, I did, like, we heard all about you. The director, so the director was, uh, I don't want to get his name right, his name wrong, Tom. Tom, Tom DeCilio. Okay. Okay. 
Now, Tom, mind you, he's a long-haired guy, just kind of hippie-looking guy. Plays in a band, and he's a real quiet guy. He came over. He said, you must be the, the hero. And I said, no, these guys are. They're like, no, we play heroes on TV. You're a real-life hero. Uh, and, I, and I was just an extra background guy at the yeah, time, yeah. walking around aimlessly. So Tom DeCilio came up to me and uh, shook my hand. And he says, you know, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And I said, okay. I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know anything. It's the first thing I said. So the first thing I said, he's like, well, just stand here. And then when I look at you, after they do the whatever lines, I give you the cue. You get up and you walk across. I said, okay, well, that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. You know, 110 bucks. I can. I didn't know I was going to walk 110 times, uh-huh. you know, for that 110 bucks. <laughs> but uh, Tom did that, and, and we had a good time, man. And um, it wasn't even the fourth or fifth time on my on set. He told me, that's it. Take this guy out and put him in a uh, firefighter's uniform. And I'm like, I'm not a firefighter. Yeah. He goes, it's my show. You are today. So I went, I got a bumped up from just an extra yeah. to a firefighter, which is like 225 a day or something. I oh, forgot. you got paid as a legitimate firefighter. 225. Right. Yeah. Okay. And that was just an extra yeah. firefighter. And so I got that. And then... It was, I was always with the cast and crew. And then Tom was like, you know what? We're going to put him in, we're going to feature him. And he's like, you have an agent? I said, no, I didn't know anything about agent. I don't know anything about this crap. I uh-huh. thought it was just. And this yeah. is within your fifth time? This is like my fifth or sixth time on set. Wow. And he's like, I'm gonna, he, goes, he goes, you need to find an agent. He goes, I'm going to put you as a feature. He goes, get him another bump. So then it was like 275 or super. Yeah. I don't know what it was. The pay structure is different from yeah. BG to firefighter BG. Right, BG to and if you're a firefighter BG. If- to featured firefighter, yeah. it, it just, it, everything changes. And I'm yeah. like, I didn't know all this. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden I was, I got a job at the mill, at the steel mill, and Chicago Fire wanted me on set like four times a week. Oh, so you were core. So I'm like, oh man. So, yeah. and I'm just featured firefighter, but I was in all the scenes with the yeah, major you, scenes. You were core, yeah. So I'm like, okay, so, you know, I got this job at the mill, I'm making $110,000 a year. And uh, it was interfering with the acting because I was on, I was at the mill for twelve hours a day, seven days a week, and then we have two days seven off. Days yes, a week. we were on seven twelves for two years. That's how you make a hundred and twenty. Yeah, yeah, you live there. And then when I'm on set for the Chicago Fire, I was on set for ten or twelve, fifteen hours. Yeah, and I'm like, I had no. I mean, I I I worked myself because I wanted to really do the acting. Yeah, that I had. I just got a love for it. You got the acting. I, it it wasn't even. It. It wasn't even like, oh, it's a craft. Because I hate when people say, work on your craft. What is it, a hobby? Yeah. Because that's what a craft is. To me, a craft is, oh, I, I, I do birdhouses. That's my craft. <laughs> what is a fucking hobby? Let's call it what it is. It's a hobby. <laughs> How do you make a living? Yeah. You, you, you must be one hobbying some bitch because you make a lot of money on some birdhouses to afford everything you afford. Oh no, don't call it a craft. Yeah. This is my career. Yeah. This is my passion. I love passion. I love career. I hate craft. And Chicago uses craft all the time. Oh, it's just upping your craft, working on your craft. You know what? It might be a, a craft is a hobby. So it might be a hobby to you, but it's something that I want to make a living at. Yeah. And I started seeing this. So I was at work one night and I had to be in Chicago at four in the morning uh-huh. on set. And it was 1230 at night on my shift, uh-huh. my seven at night to seven in the morning shift. The guy that was supposed to come in and cover for me didn't have showed up. 
So I told my supervisor, hey, I got to be on set in Chicago for Chicago Fire. And uh, I can't remember his name. Steed was his last name. Dan Steed. Don, Don or Dan Steed. Told me to my face. <laughs> well, you need to make a choice. Either your little hobby or your career. I took my badge, threw it at him. I said, this is my hobby. And I walked out that night. Made it to set. Worked all day, came home, and told my wife that I just quit a $120,000 a year job. How was that conversation like? <laughs> she said, why? I said, something told me to do it. I asked God for a sign. And Dan and, Steed was And Dan sign. Steed was the sign. He uh -huh. came up to me and gave me an ultimatum. One thing I do not live by are ultimatums. My dad gave me ultimatums when I was a kid. You know, you do it like this or this is going to happen. Do it like this or this. I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. I don't like ultimatums. And when you're going to give me an ultimatum, like, ultimatums for bullies. Uh -huh. I don't like bullies. By the way, I saw the Joker last night. I heard your wife told me. Loved it. Your wife told me she loved, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Everybody out there complaining about this movie or their kids, go screw yourselves. Your kids are bullies and you don't want your bullies to get killed. <laughs> so t teach your kids a lesson. To be nice to everybody. I'm gonna watch that movie. Oh, it was amazing. I wanna watch it. I hear Joaquin so many good Phoenix. about it. Joaquin Phoenix was amazing. And we'll talk about that later on. Yeah. So I get back home and now I'm out of work. But I'm working every day on Chicago Fire. Yeah, you're not you out know? of work. You're just right. out of consistency. I'm out of I'm out of $110,000 a year work. Yeah. And I'm making a thousand dollars a week. Yeah. You know, or, or every or thousand or two thousand dollars a month. That's all I'm making versus eight thousand dollars a month, seven thousand dollars a month. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was hard on her. It was hard on us. But you know what? We pulled through. We pulled through. Mm -hmm. um, then I went into the transition of having to become SAG after because of the projects that I did previously. Uh -huh. I was already credited, and then when I got my actual. I got my actual first speaking role yeah. on Chicago Fire. The director was Tom DeCilio. He was in my audition. And when he saw me, he looked at me when I played Steve. And he's like, you were background. I remember. And I hadn't seen Steve in two years. I mean, I haven't seen Tom in two years. Did he still have that hair? He still had the hair. <laughs> still smooth, cat. Uh -huh. You know. Um, and when I walked into the audition room, I recognized Tom right away. Because uh -huh. he just got a distinguished look. And, 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 and Simon Casting was there. Claire Simon was there. And he's like uh, looking at me. He's like, oh, okay. And kind of leaned over to her and said something. And he's like, go ahead. So I did my whole scene. He's like, can you sit down and do it? Because I was standing up and did it. I did yeah. it. You know, He liked it. And sit down. So I did it. I was sitting down. And he asked me questions about why I, I reacted the way I reacted on, during the scene. It's, it's because, you know, Kind of got a lot of people around me, and it's kind of a guy thing. And you know, he's supposed to be macho. He's got his leg pinned under a thing. He's trying to be macho about it, but it's, he's really in pain. Yeah. But he's not gonna tell anybody he's in pain. Yeah. And he's like, okay. So then when we left, he's like, you know, he came out there. He's like, you went from background to featured to talent. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you got it. He goes, I see you on set. Let the, let your let your agent tell you that. I'm, wow, I'm you going, left the audition with that. With From him. Ooh. So there was nobody. I don't care who came in there. He gave it to me. Man. And when we worked together that day, that guy was on me, pushing me. I mean, it was hot. It was 96 degrees. 
I'm out in the blistering sun, laying on hot concrete, half naked with the my you know everything was open in the back, but it looked I was close. Yeah. And he was just get him an umbrella, get cover him, get him water. I mean, the guy yeah. was just like, and I was on the ground for 14 hours that day on set. Is this is uh, you said this was PD? This is Chicago Fire. Chicago Fire. When okay. they amputated my leg. Oh. And after I came out of the after they put me in the ambulance and everything, he wrote he he said cut. That's a wrap, and they opened up the doors. All the firefighters came out. They were all in a line when I was when I walked out of the ambulance, yeah. shaking my hand, clapping, congratulating me, and then he was there. He just gave me another big ass hug, and I was just like, dude. They were there from day one. They were there from day one when I was a nobody. Man. You know, when I was an unknown, and here I am, part of the cast and crew, and it, it took off from there. But you know, unfortunately, when you do stuff like that with Chicago, you can't be on the shows. Especially when you're like a scene like that, they cut off my leg. What is it like twice a year? Well, what's what's the? It was my I had a, my original contract for Steve was four. I couldn't be seen for four years. Oh. So how do you work? God. Think about it. I made good money for that one episode, but yeah. now the rest of the year. That's it for I'm that done. show. For no, for any of the Chicago TV shows. Oh, because they cross right. over. Right. I can't be seen. No way. And Empire, Empire, it's the majority blacks and, yeah. and whites. There's yeah. hardly any Latinos in there. And the Latinos they do have, they're gay, and I'm not doing that. That's another fight. That's a whole other, yeah. That's that's a whole other ballgame. I don't play the gay Latino role. I don't even look gay. Yeah. I don't even, I know I don't sound gay, but you know, I, I, I just won't do it. I mean, it's just not my cup of tea, you know? And I tell people there's a million, a hundred thousand Latinos that are actually gay out there that look just like me. Why are you trying to make me the straight guy be the gay guy and the gay guy be the straight guy? Let's stop doing that crisscross. Well, who stuff. knows, man? Put some booty shorts on. Let's see how that works. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe now I will. I got a pretty good looking body now. <laughs> oh man, talk about full circle, man. How yeah. did that like how was that feeling? It was you, it was man? when I when I got the role, I came home and told the wife, I said, you know, I got my first speaking role. And she's like, Really? On what film? I said, it's not even a film. It's a TV show. Yeah. She was like, oh, which one? I said, the same one I got the first background role on, Chicago Fire. And it was just a full circle. People, people were like, beautiful. dude, that's a sign. You should just do this, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started doing uh, independent work. I worked with Raul Colon and Enrique Guzman. Yeah. We did a movie called The Land. And uh, I hope if Rose listening, we get the land back. Stop messing around. I ain't got <laughs> time for you, Hollywood and Florida. BS, <laughs> let's go, boy. No, Raul was a great guy. He, he, um, he was a young director at the time. He was very, very, very um, uh, new. Yeah. And uh, he had a great, I loved his vision. I loved, don't get me wrong. I saw a couple of his little things that he did with Enrique. And I loved his, his vision. Good work, I loved man. his work. I loved his camera, his, his, his eye, his yeah. eye. He's got a great, he's got an amazing eye for things. But what he had was a temper too. And he had to learn to control that. Puerto Rican temper. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in this business, you know, you got to be smooth, man. Yeah. You know, you can be the hardest, baddest director out there, but you got to be smooth about it. Yeah. Raul was just raw. Yeah. You know, he's from Chicago. He's raw, like everybody, yeah. you know? So we were all raw, but, you know, we everybody bumped heads. But you know what? The thing is, I working with Raul, was, it was good. I had fun because yeah. it, it was Enrique was involved and, and we were all together. And that was your first indie? That film? was our first indie, yeah, indie film, uh, The Land. Then I got cast as Diablo on the indie TV series, No Chirac, okay. which has a full season, 12 episodes. Uh, it's on an indie app in, uh, in Indie Network or something. I don't know. Whatever. But I, I did that for a whole, almost the summer and fall to film 12 episodes. 
And that's an amazing project. It was an amazing project, um, but it never went anywhere. Uh, except that indie app. Except for the indie app. So if they want to watch it, they got to download the indie app, and they can watch the full season of No Chirac, all yeah, 12 episodes. But there's no, like, is it, it's just called the indie app? or is Actually, I'm sorry. Nope, I'm lying. It's on Tubi TV now. Tubi TV. That new app. Okay. They're like Hulu, Voodoo, and all yeah. the other ones. Yeah, yeah. It's called Tubi. T-U-B-I. Tubi, okay. Yeah, T-U-B-I. another app. So they got it on there, too. It's, it's a shared app now. Uh, so that, that that's on there. Um... Right after Chicago Fire, I got cast for Sinister 2, mm. the horror movie, Yeah, as a dentist. Um, I, I'm a horror film freak. I love oh. it. I love everything. Well, if, it's, if it scares you, I love it. I mean, I, I don't jump. I don't, nothing scares me. I've been through a lot, so nothing scares me. Well, yeah, you were shot at, and you <laughs> yeah. chased the guy that shot yeah. you. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I love watching the fear in people's eyes. And when I first saw this movie, I could pretty much pick out what's going to happen in a horror movie. At the beginning of the movie. Uh-huh. At the very beginning. I could not put my hands on this stupid sinister movie. I just couldn't. I'm like, who the hell is co- recording this? Who's doing this? Because he's, he's in the picture. Yeah. They got this guy in the picture, you know? I'm like, how the hell is he recording? Yeah. Has he got magic? And at the end, I find out the whole time it was the kid. I'm like, oh, that blew me away. The first one blew me away. Uh-huh. So I was like, when I saw that they were filming in Chicago and they were auditioning, I, I ran to that audition. Yeah. And Siren, 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 Siren Froy, who was a director, um, Blumhouse Productions. Okay. The minute I walked in the room, he's like, "All right, just do this real quick." And I did it. He's like, "Whoa, do it again." Well, and then he's like, "That was an amazing day on set." I mean, audition. You said this is audition. That's or the this audition. Is set? That's the audition. Uh huh. And he and said, I, "Whoa!" during the audition. Yeah. And then he's like. He's the one. Great poker face. That's yeah. Like, you're not supposed to tell the talent no. right then and there. Yeah, because he got I, it. I, I heard what was going on in the room because we were all outside the room. Yeah. And it's you got to scream. You got to like you're in pain. Yeah. Um. So you know he had a lot of guys and like ah whatever. I I don't I don't know whatever it sounded like. Did you scream like a gay guy or how did you? Oh, it was yeah. I could have I could have hit the, the, the gay, high note. Yeah, I could have hit the high note. <laughs> like I got kicked in the nuts or something. You know? But um, no, it was uh. It was just like, he's okay, here's a scene, you're strapped to a, a chair, um, and your mouth is uh, barricaded open, okay. because you have the old pry, like pry, pry, the pry bar from the old dentist, this is a 60s or 70s dentist, uh-huh. or whatever, and you're getting drilled with a drill. Uh-huh. Go. That's all he said. Give me that, uh-huh. give me that, that, that pain. And so when I did it, he was just like, do that again. And then I did it again. He's like, whoa. And he's like, okay, thank you. And that was it. I got to call it the same night. Wow. That, that was me. It was me. I was the dentist's dad. Well, so, I mean, you're, you're, you're outside of the audition room hearing everybody else scream. Right. So you're like, all right, that one. And not knowing what was said in there until I heard it from my own ears, what the, what what? the scream was about yeah, yeah. and how to deliver it. Really? You went to the audition not knowing anything about the scene? Mm-mm. Really? I went to the audition just trying to get on the show. Just trying to get on the movie. Because I love Sinister. They don't give you sides no. or anything? They didn't give you a nope. side for that one? It was it was a blind it was just a walk-in. Oh wow. And a blind read. Listen to what he listen to what he tells you to do and do it. Mm. So I I did it and I got it. And when we were on set, I met I met the actor who plays the Bagul. Uh-huh. Um, it was just it was just a great time, man. The kids were actually uh Haley, the one who plays the little girl who goes Shh, uh-huh. her face is all cracked with the little knitted cap. Uh-huh. She's actually uh, with me this weekend. 
coming up at the horror convention down in Champaign. Oh, nice. Where we're signing autographs for Sinister 2, uh, No Chirac, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, uh, because... Where is this at? So that way you can plug it up. Um, it is at the... Hang on, let me look. I know it's in Champaign, uh, Illinois. It is the... Oh, here we go. Dark History Horror Convention. Champaign, Illinois. And it's at the city center at Fat City. Uh, 503 South Chestnut Street. Oh, from right. Saturday, 12 p.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. October 26th to 7th. Oh, that's awesome. So I'll be there signing autographs, taking pictures. Um, I've done I've done this last year, and it was a, it was a really good one. Uh, this year, it's I, now that I know what I'm doing a little a little bit. Um, I got a uh, pretty much a better setup, and then next year I am also partnered with Fright Fest. Okay. For Fort Wayne. Fright big Fest. one. Okay. Um, where there's like almost 37,000 people that walk through that convention sure. center. It's at the convention center in Fort Wayne. Nice. Uh, right downtown in Fort Wayne, we have everybody from Robert Lasardo from The Mule, from uh -huh. Clint Eastwood, who, who's a really good friend of mine. We have booths next to each other this year. We got booths next year together. Um, we're trying to get John Burton, all the Punisher. Uh, I mean, there's tons of celebrities. Uh, Ke uh, Kane Holder, Jason, the original Jason's going to be there. Uh -huh. I mean, everybody's going to be there. Okay. So, I mean, the Fright Fest next year, 2020, is going to be... Ridiculous. It's going to be sick. That I mean, awesome. it's, in, it's in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's only a couple hours away from Chicago. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean Champaign's four or five hours away. <clears throat> I think Fort Wayne's maybe two or three. But, I mean, it's going to be a good time too, man. And, and I'm honored to be asked to be as a, as a celebrity guest there. That's awesome. You know, and all because of that Sinister 2 movie. Yeah. And I loved it. I mean, don't get me wrong. That was like a dream, and I, I got it. After the Sinister 2 is when I started dipping into the other independent movies. And, yeah. and I had a commercial, Hellman's commercial, Manny's commercial, um, Raul, No Chirac, and just a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it hasn't been easy. Like I tell everybody, it's, it's, it's not guaranteed you're going to make it. You're only going to make it if you want to. Yeah. You know, if, mean, if you're waiting for your, okay, if you're waiting for that phone call. Yeah. Keep it's waiting. Never, it's never going to come. Keep waiting. You know what? It's Go get a job. Gonna... Yeah. Go get a job because you have to be out there. You have to put yourself out there, and you have to have thick skin to do that. You, oh, you're gonna get. I mean, I get it all the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ask Enrique. I get called all kind of names, we, we, and and he always he always hits me up uh -huh. with a quick name when I do something, like uh, uh, a whore or bitch or sissy boy <laughs> or, or or whatever he calls me. But because of people out there in Chicago are talking yeah. about me, yeah, because of the things that I do, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry that I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. But if if if, if those guys act those Latino actors out there are insecure about me because I'm whatever, that's on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Enrique always he's always got a one liner and it's always a text. Uh -huh. Like as soon as he sees my post on Facebook, he bitch, you, you bitch, nah, sissy. Who do you think you are, sissy? <laughs> I'm like. He goes, oh, you never guess who said it, bro. I'm like, how do you see that and I don't see it? He's like this. Because you're not friends with them. I'm yeah. like, oh. He goes, you probably blocked them yeah. years ago. So I see their so response. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't care. You know, I, it doesn't bother me. But if, if you think it's easy, it's not. Um, you, you, you will go. It's going to test you. Yeah. It's going to test your, 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 uh, your mindset. It's going to test your ability to do things. It's, it's definitely going to test your nerves. Yeah. Um, I've wanted to give up a couple of times, 
You know, even at this stage. Uh, not now. Not now. Not right now. In the beginning. I yeah. In the beginning, I wanted to give up. Oh, you have no idea. Uh, we went through some hard times, the other wife and I, uh, because of it. You know, and I, like I said, you know, either it's gonna go, it's gonna do it. I'm gonna do this, or or, or I'm not. But I'm not gonna quit. Yeah. Because I don't quit. All right. Um, well, I mean, how do I look like as a quitter to my sons? Yeah. What kind to of my to my grandkids? Yeah. Oh, they you quit, you quit. No. So, to me, and here's the thing, and I and I hate to say I love my family, but there are people in my family who always want me to fail because that's what I've always done in my life. I I was a I was a huge failure. Mm-hmm. I was a failure as a son. So they they're waiting for you to repeat it. They're waiting for me to let history repeat itself so they can say I told you. Yeah. But I haven't done that, yeah. and I won't. So I have to fight 10 times harder than the next guy. I have to, to, to aim 10 times harder to achieve my goals that are 100 times higher than the next guy because I cannot give anybody the satisfaction to say, I told you so. So you went from Sinister 2 to a faith-based film, and I remember you posting that you've wanted this. You've always wanted to do a faith-based film. Yes. So I wanted you to touch base on that. Well, you know, coming into um, 20, I think it's 2019, this yeah. year, I had goals. When I came back from LA, uh-huh. I had seen so much diversity in, in, the, in the movie and entertainment business for Latinos that I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm, I'm tired of the gangbanger. I am tired of the drug dealer. I'm tired of the cartel guy. What else can I do? And I'm damn sure not going to be nobody's gardener because that's what they expect us Latinos to do mm-hmm. in, these, in, these, in, this, in this industry. Yeah. Oh, you're the gardener, you're the drug dealer, you're the cartel, you know, or you're the cook. You yeah. know what? No. There's Latinos, uh, and there's, uh, to name a few of them, Asaya Morales is now playing, I believe, Deadshot or whatever. One of them. What's on the okay? What universe is the CW? Is it the DC Comics with the Green Arrow and all that, or I, I think that's DC. Okay, well he's playing Death 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 Shot Deathstroke. 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 Okay. He got it on that new DC Universe app. He's Deathstroke. Here's Asaya Morales, a Latino. So I'm in LA and I'm seeing all the Latino work out there, and wondering why I can't have this work back here. Okay, so when I got back home, I, I said to myself, I'm done with Chicago, I'm done. Because it's just the same thing, gangbanger, drug dealer, gay guy. No, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, stop stereotyping me, okay? Uh, I don't have that in LA. We didn't ha- I don't have those stereotypes in LA. So I, I had to go. I told, I told my agent, Viva, who I love and adore tremendously. She's been amazing. Um, I thank God for her because without her and her believing in me, I, I won't be, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's helped save a lot of things, you know, for me. Uh, she's a fighter. So I told her this year, I am going, I am going to land a faith based film. And she's like, really? Why do you want to do faith based? Mm-hmm. And I said, there's something about, I need to do it. Whether it's just a one-liner cameo or whatever, I need to do it for myself. Um, I'm trying to go into 
I want to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson of the faith-based films. That's what I want. Because we already got a Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the, in the Hollywood industry. Yeah, an action. I, I, I don't need that. I mean, I, don't, I, I can't compete with Dwayne. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a great guy. You know, I watched him. I, I think I'm older than him. But I watched him when he came to the WWE and WWF when he was wrestling. Yeah. And he said it was, you know, it, it was hard for him to break. No, it wasn't. Because you were already an entertainer. Mm-hmm. You had millions of fans as The Rock, as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Your transition into film was real easy. Because when you walked through the door, there wasn't 120,000 guys auditioning against you. Mm-hmm. You were given the script, come on in, see if you can do it. And then you already had a following. Today is all about the following. Mm-hmm. Your followers, your Instagram followers, social media followers. It's not about how much talent you got anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about uh, how much schooling you had in the arts and theater department. Because the girl from King of Thrones or Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, okay. uh, that she proved that. That girl, the, the lead girl, princess, white hair girl, she was a YouTuber. She had a million followers. And she bragged about how she beat out A-list actresses for that role. Really? That's disgusting. It's, it's sickening. Okay, I don't take nothing away from her. Yeah. I can see the first, I saw a couple episodes in the first season, she really sucked. But she got better. Mm-hmm. Whatever. She's making her money. She better get better. But when she bragged about how she never had any schooling in the arts and she beat out A-list actresses because she had a million followers on YouTube because she was a YouTuber, mm-hmm. that kind of that hits a, soft, a, a real soft spot, you know? Because mm-hmm. people are out here busting their butts, paying all this money for classes, improv, comedy, uh, drama, blah, 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 mm-hmm. writing classes, and she would just walk out because you got a million followers on YouTube because of some stupid videos you made? Mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, that, wh- where are we going with this? I mean, where is the world going? Again, it's, it's, it's just backwards. Yeah. So Dwayne came in there, and he did his thing, The Rock, and I'm pretty sure doors were just opening for him because he already had millions and millions of fans, yeah. followers, and he's a great guy. Followers I ain't taking nothing away from him. That guy, he's probably got probably one of the biggest hearts in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does do tons of, of, of charity for uh, veterans, people in the military, in the service department. I mean, just, man, the guy is just a great guy. Yeah, he is probably the hardest and most expensive working man in the business. But this guy gets up at 4.45 every morning, mm-hmm. works out for two or three hours, goes on set for 12 to 15 hours, and does it All every day. Yeah. You can't knock a guy like that. I would. I, I can't wait for the day to meet him and work with the guy. You know, that's a, that's another goal. Mm-hmm. But my goal was for the faith-based film, and I wanted it, and I got it. You know, I didn't. I I, I didn't pay for it. Yeah. Nobody gave it to me. I had to go out and audition against a lot of other people for this faith, and I and I got the role, the supporting role of Chief Baez, which I was the chief of police. Finally, a role where I wasn't the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and I and I took to that. And then uh, I got Johnny Marquez, which I had to go back to being the bad guy, <laughs> Chicago PD. But that's okay. You know, that's okay. Uh, if that's what sells me, and that's my brand mm-hmm. as the bad guy, every film has a villain. Doesn't care what it is. If it's a love story, there's a villain. If it's a horror movie, well, there's a lot of villains. Mm-hmm. Um, or drama, there's a villain. Yeah. So yeah, whatever, whatever that, that is. So I got the Johnny Marquez, which was uh, a, guest, a guest role. I got my faith-based film, 
And I had three of them, guest supporting, faith-based. Well, I got two in one. I got a supporting act, uh, supporting actor role uh -huh. in the faith-based film. So there's two knocked out there. And how did that come across to you? Like, where, did it just come across your desk and like, wow, I asked for this and it came true? Yeah, no, my agent called me. I, she reminded me. I forgot about what I posted at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. That these I had these three goals. I forgot about that because I, I have my business, I have my family, you know, my the wife, the kids, the grandkids. That's my that's my job. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to do as a, as, a, as a man to take care of whatever mm -hmm. the fate what I did in January when I got back from LA or February when I got back in LA, from LA or March I don't forget what day what, what month it was I made that list of my three things that I was gonna do in 2019 all this happened in the April May and June I, I forgot about that yeah and my agent's like you know you called this and I said what she goes you saw this somewhere because yeah. you called it and I said, what? She goes, and look. And she went back and she goes, I said, oh, wow. I didn't know that. And she goes, boy, you got something. She goes, I'm telling you, it's coming. Whatever it is, Jose, it's coming. And when it hits, it ain't going to be something small. It's going to be something big. Yeah. She goes, and I can sit back and take care of just you. I don't have to worry about the rest of the roster. She asked people to do that. My main focus is going to be getting you work. She goes, because I see it coming for you. And that's how that happened. I mean, it just it just happened. I saw it. I, I asked for it. I wanted it. Yeah. And I received. That is that's awesome, man. <laughs> that's a blessing. Uh, so what's next for you? Because I'm seeing that you're working out every single day. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about Dwayne Rock Johnson. Are yeah. you in an action movie soon or what? Yeah. No. You know what? We have. Um, I do have two films. Uh, we're getting ready to go into pre-production here. Uh, actually, we're in pre-production. Mm -hmm. We will be going into production next year, 2020. Okay. There'll be two new films out um, with my partner, Emilio, in L.A., a hell of a writer, hell of a director, and one hell of a friend. I mean, he's a brother. I mean, the guy, I met him, and we clicked. We met through a mutual friend, and our mutual friend kind of went sideways on us, yeah. but we never, we never went sideways. And actually, we, we, he knew the mutual friend longer than he knew me. I knew the mutual friend longer than I knew him. Uh -huh. But we're, me and him are still together. Um, he, uh, he wrote a movie called Joanne. It's a horror movie. Okay. So uh, I play a pretty beefed up, you know, stocky, muscular guy who's a nerd. Uh -huh. You're uh, playing a nerd? I'm playing a nerd. Okay. So it's a little bit out of my comfort zone. I'm, I'm a computer geek. Okay. I have, I, honestly, I, I can't even, I can, I can text uh -huh. And I can post a video with a saying, but if you ask me to download a file and look at and send, I, dude, let me get somebody to do that. I can't. I'm, I'm computer illiterate. Okay, uh -huh. so I'm gonna be playing this computer geek on this on this movie. It's a horror movie. It's gonna be a great movie about a doll, uh -huh. a possessed doll from Mexico. Okay. Um, the grandmother was bruja. She she studied brujeria which is witchcraft in English for you white people out there. <laughs> um, so she, she studied, she, 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 she practiced witchcraft, uh -huh. uh, brujeria, and so her granddaughter was her life, and she didn't like people picking on her granddaughter. Her grandmother dies, her grandmother's soul goes into the doll that the grandmother brought the granddaughter, and, and every catastrophe or, or, or something that was bad in Mexico, this doll was always in the picture somewhere. Okay. In the background picture, and it's like this doll, this doll. Well, now this doll's in the United States. Um, 
there's no there's no rain out there. It's a free. It's like a cow. Yeah. You give a cow 30 acres of field, and it's gonna eat all 30 acres. Uh-huh. Free range. Uh-huh. Well, this dow was not supposed to leave this country of Mexico. Okay. It was contained as long as it was in Mexico. And now that it's here, but when it you bring it out of the states and you bring it to Cal- uh, Tijuana and California, uh-huh. now we got issues. Now all of a sudden the murders and stuff are happening again. No uh-huh. one knows why. The granddaughter's an adult. She still has a doll. And does she know about the backstory of the doll? Does she? Know I can't really say that. Okay. But whatever, she, whoever holds the doll. I mean, it, it just the doll takes over. Yeah. Then you do what the doll tells you to do. It's just it's 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 crazy. It's 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 gonna be a great horror film. Oh, uh, we okay. actually started off as a short. We were gonna do a short. Uh, but we got funded to do a feature film. Oh, that's great. So that's funded. We're good to go. You starting in January. Yeah, we started shooting in January, all the all the stills and, and everything. Just just get everything ready for the okay. big premiere. Yeah. And then we start filming. And you guys are going to release it in... Uh, it's probably going to be the summer. I, I told him let's maybe do it during the summer, but I think he wants to release it right before school starts, like August, September. Okay. So right before Halloween, the fall, yeah, yeah, yeah. this movie comes out. Yeah. Because you really can't compete with a lot of Hollywood blockbusters around Halloween. Yeah. You can't. You can't. Um, but this one is going to be really good. It's going to be. It's a lot of gore. There's a lot of special effects. Um, it's going to be really good. And it's a, like I said, it's a different role for me I, out of my comfort zone playing this guy. I don't know. Um, the next one is the ride, which we're we're like we're like really happy right now. We've been working on this for almost two years. Emilio's been working on it for longer than that. He's, long, he's been working on it longer than he's known me. Uh-huh. And we've, we've approached people. We've come up to people, asked them about their opinion to help us out. Let's get us off the ground. Let's shoot a trailer. Let's shoot a, a whatever, you know, some scenes and get it going. And a lot of people turn their backs on us and say, this, this ain't going to go nowhere. Well, now we're kind of really stoked because uh, the WB got involved. Warner Brothers, got, Warner Brothers Studio got involved. Did you and speak that into fruition, man? Did you speak that? I didn't. That, that one I didn't. That one I didn't <laughs> see coming. Um, uh, he, he called me and he was really ex- excited. He's like, "Check out the new logo." I said, "I saw it earlier." He goes, "Yeah, you liked it, but did you see it?" Uh-huh. And I said, "Yeah, I saw it. The, the ride, 2020. Look in the background." And I saw the Warner Butter hologram. I'm like, "Oh man, this just went big, yeah. bigger than what we could ever afford to do." Um, so now the phones are ringing. Everybody that turned their backs on us and now, hey, what's up? What's going That's on? That's a sweet feeling, isn't it? Like you know people that turned your back on you. Yeah. Now when they come back and see that you're doing something great with the product that you yeah. first initially, you know, uh, yeah, when we, to them? we we bought to them, asked them to help us get it out there and invest. Uh, yeah, that ain't going nowhere. No. Same guys are calling now. What's up? I said, I don't yeah, know. You no, tell me. You, you ain't going nowhere. You're gonna stay right here. Just mm-hmm. just just sit back and watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so the last and final question that I have for you is I see you serving your community a lot. Yeah. And uh, you've done, you're actually doing the Frida uh, Kello, Kello yep. event coming with the Barbie doll. And yes. And uh, the giving back to East Chicago with the police department. Right. So what is the meaning of giving back? Why are you so hard on that? I was, I want to give back to a community that gave me so much. Mm-hmm. We grew up in East Chicago, and, and it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful time, man. Beautiful. Um, our neighbors watched us. We watched, the, our parents watched their kids. 
we play out in the street till three or four in the morning, playing kick the can and hide and seek and monkey in the middle. It was a different time back then. It was different, you know? And to see these kids cannot even be out past four or five o'clock in the afternoon without worrying about getting shot. Something's not right. Yeah. Something's not right. Someone's got to make a, a change. Someone's got to make a difference. Athletes for Charity, uh, her name's Kathleen, and she reached out to me. And I'm not an athlete, you know? You're built like one. <laughs> well, that's a lot of working out. That's, that's for the action movie. Yeah. You know what? I think after, even after I, I'm done with the action movie, gonna I'm just going to keep continuing to work out, man, because it makes me feel so much better. Yeah. Uh, I look better, I feel better, and everything fits better. But Kathleen reached out to me and asked me, I know it's, you're not an athlete, but you're an entertainer. Could you help your hometown? My hometown of East Chicago, Indiana. And I said, yeah, what's going on? What do you need me to do? Just show up. Show the kids that there's something more out there than what they're accustomed to in the streets. And I said, okay, you got it, you got it. So I showed up and, and, we, and we connected. Her and I connected really well. We got, we got a really good bond. I know what she expects from me. She knows what I expect from her. You know, and, and it goes both ways. So with that, she just wants to invite me to all the events in East Chicago. We got to give back to the kids. If, here's a kid, and, and I was a kid too once, and I remember if you don't work for it, you ain't going to get it. Mm -hmm. The problem with today's kids is they're giving everything and they don't earn shit. They don't yeah. earn it. Yeah. Okay, that's the problem with these kids today. They're entitled. You're entitled to nothing but to live and die. That's your entitlement. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do in between those years, you have to earn. Yeah. It's totally up to you to earn it. So these programs we're doing, we are giving back by challenging the kids. There's a writing contest to see who writes the best essay or, or strip or, or script or whatever, whatever little things they're going to do. Um, and then there's the drawing, you know, the competition, who's got the best draw. So, and these are for the girls. Mm -hmm. So these dolls are like 30 bucks a piece mm -hmm. or something like that. I can't remember what it was, like 30 bucks a piece. But it's, it's a Latina doll, yeah. Frida, you know. My daughter's uh, name, we actually named her after Right, that. so you know, you yeah. know the history of the woman. She's, mm -hmm. she's a powerful woman, mm -hmm. a powerful Latina. So we, we're, 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 we are, we are uh, auctioning off the dolls to the public, but we're giving them away to the girls who earned that right to have that doll because they put the work in, they put the time and the effort and they gave it their all. Everybody can write an essay. Everybody can write a script or everybody can put a strip down of something, but we have to be able to feel it. It's kind of like a, 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 a journal, the kid's life. Somebody will draw something that's going on in their life at the time. Artists get their motivation from Whatever events, tragedies, emotions, whatever. So same thing with the writers and producers and directors. So it, when we feel that these kids just didn't write a blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Okay. They put their heart and soul into that essay or strip or script. And good. That's the one who's going to win the Dow. This is all the girls. Then we got another program coming up for the boys where it's mentoring the, mentoring the boys into being men. Mm -hmm. You know, because uh, today the boys, these, these boys are lost today. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them don't even know what the hell they are. <laughs> uh, but 
mentoring them into being men. You know, to be self-independent. Not depend on a woman. Not depend on a on your mom and your dad. To be a self-made, independent man in today's world. I mean, that's that's our goal. And there's so many kids. I, I You know, I didn't realize how much sexual abuse is going on back in my hometown right now. And it's you, disgusting. And you would think it's with the girls. It's not. It's higher with the boys. It's disgusting. The boys are being sexually abused at home. And I'm like, are you, what, are you kidding me? But it's just, it's just that. And so uh, uh, Athletes for Charities came up to me and, and asked me to join. I, I jumped right in. So for me to give back, it's kind of like the years I lost with my kids and I wasn't there. And they might have needed something, yeah. but I wasn't there. I was there, but I wasn't there. This is a way for me to ask for that forgiveness again yeah. by helping somebody else. Because you never know if you help another kid. Yeah. You never know. I got, a, I got an inbox one time after a video, a live video. I, I make a bunch of them. You know yeah. that. Yeah. And I made a live video about uh, suicide because I, I did try that. It didn't work out in my favor. Really? The gun jammed. I don't know how it jammed, but it was a, never jammed before. Yeah. But it did. Uh, and that's when I started turning my life around. But... I made a video about people with mental illness and suicide and depression and stuff. I, I get it. I get it. I've been, I've been on all those roads. Mm -hmm. And I got an inbox from a lady that afternoon saying that my video that morning changed her life. She was going to end her life. But because of that video. That's powerful. I didn't know what to say. Yeah. You're welcome. I didn't know. Yeah. What the hell do, what the hell do you say to somebody who just told you they were about to kill themselves? But because of your video, changed her outlook that day. Yeah. Ha, ha, has she done it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think she has because she's still on my page. Liking my videos and my posts, my comments. So she didn't do it. But did, what did I say that day in that video to spark and change her mindset? She was ready to take her life. Yeah. And I was like... It shows you the power of I was like, oh my God. I said... The hell did you say, stupid? Because man, you need to go back and look at the video. Yeah. And I, I didn't know. I mean, I was speaking from my heart that I, what I went through yeah. and who it would have affected, who it would have damaged had I gone through with it, had the gun not jammed mm -hmm. after I pulled the trigger. The power of words. And that's the power of influence. And that's one thing that I think a lot of celebrities are higher up, like Dwayne Duran right. Johnson that he understands the power of influence. You know, saying those positive words, positive messages, yep. it changes lives. It changes the whole mindset. And it changes a lot of things, you know. And bullying is one of the worst things I cannot stand. I heard all the negative feedback about this new movie, The Joker, mm -hmm. just came out. Uh, I heard all the positive feedback. Now, I'm the type of person, no matter what somebody tells me, I have to decide for myself. Just because you tell me that orange is orange, I got to open it up and let me see. Because it could be tangerine. You know? Uh, or it could be green. So I don't, I don't, I had this. So I went to the movies last night to watch The Joker. And it was everything everyone said it was. Yes, it was, it was um, dark. It was, uh, a little disturbing. But what I did not find, 
like other people were saying that it should not be uh, shown first. Uh, it's not fit for children. First of all, you idiots, you freaking mutants out there. It says rated R. Under 18, not admitted. So if your dumbasses took your kids to go watch this movie. That's on you. That's on you. Mm-hmm. Hello. But, you know, everybody was mad because of all the the scenes that were, were put into this movie. I mean, this has been going on for, for years. Yeah. This movie was set back in, I think it was in the 60s or 70s, something like that. Or maybe the 80s. This is the time era that they put the movie in. Uh, this is the origin of the Joker, how he became. So don't go expecting Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger was already the middle Joker. Mm-hmm. This is the beginning of that Joker. Yeah. This is where it started, how it started. So let's get it right. This is the this is a guy who just became this Joker. Heath Ledger is the Joker after this guy. So let's get that separated. Joaquin Phoenix did a hell of a job. Deserves an Oscar for this. All right. I keep hearing that. This kid had taken this this character this man has taken this character to a whole nother level it shows you the origins of why him and batman why bruce wayne why he is the way he is people got his 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 what uh his ideology was people are like rubber bands you can only pull it so much until they snap before they snap mm-hmm. That's strong. And I was like, okay, I, I heard the video. I heard his um his interview, Joaquin Phoenix's interview. And he even said it. He goes, when I got the script, I read it. And I sat back and was like, what the fuck did I just read? And I had to read it again. He goes, and then he bought the uh the ideology about the rubber band. People only you can only stretch a rubber band so far before it snaps. Mm-hmm. Well, this movie just showed what could happen to a bully. And I think the people that's pissing off are the bullies out there because it's giving those people who are being bullied the ammunition to, to stop the yeah. bullying. Yeah. I loved it. I laughed. I thought it was amazing writing. The, 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 the cinematography was amazing. Joaquin pulled out a performance like I've never seen him he went dark. I mean, he went to a dark, dark place. And he made sense of what is going on in the world today. All this cyberbullying and this and this and that. But this was back when there wasn't even computers mm-hmm. yet like there are today. There was no cell phones. We still had pay phones. The man was bullied and bullied and bullied. And he just snapped. snapped. But he brought the Joker to life. That has been has been dead since Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's brought it to life like that. Uh, Jared Leto did a good job, but it wasn't the right cast around him. No, had he he didn't have enough time. He didn't have exactly. It was all about the Suicide Squad not and not Jared Leto as the Joker. But they sold him so much on the trailers that they right. got everybody right. To go right. Everybody into it, and everybody was everybody was disappointed. Joaquin Phoenix mm. is showing you the birth of the Heath Ledger Joker, where he ends up where he's at and as the Heath Leather, Ledger Joker. Mm. Joaquin Phoenix is showing you the birth of this guy. And then you start to realize, wow, this guy's dark. It's twisted. His whole life was a, a lie. 
His whole life was a, a shit show, a comedy show, and he's had enough. So now he flips it onto the people who made fun of him. And I mean, that was amazing. It was an absolute amazing film. I told your wife that I was gonna tell my wife, but when she gets here, I'm gonna tell her, hey, we're gonna have to watch that movie. I wanna watch it. You gotta watch it. You got I, you I gotta see it. Same thing. Same so thing. So me, me and Enrique were talking about it, and 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 I told Enrique, we have friends say, oh yeah, Heath Ledger's still my Joker. Yes. Heath Ledger's still my Joker too, because he came out with a crazy right. performance. And everybody said he wasn't the right pick. Before right. the movie came out, right. they said, why would you pick him? Right. And he was absolutely amazing. Man. At that time era for the Joker. Yeah. But Same now Jack Nicholson. Right. For was the comical Joker. Joker for that time. Right. So now no one knows how the Joker became the Joker. Now we know. Joaquin Phoenix introduced that part of the story. That that everybody washed away. All they know is Heath Ledger. He, yes, he is the yes. best to ever play the Joker. He he probably will go down in history as the best Joker ever. Uh-huh. But how did he get to that? How did that Joker come about? Mm-hmm. Well, introduce Joaquin Phoenix, and here you go. This is how that Heath Ledger Joker became him because of Joaquin, and this one was the the birth of the Joker. Not Joker, I mean, not the Joker, but Joker. Mm. You know? So, I mean, it's, it's just, it was an absolute amazing film. Love it. Uh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm buying that one. Oh, me yeah, too. I'm buying that one. Me too. I, I haven't even watched it. I don't even know, know if they make CDs anymore, or DVDs. The DVDs? <laughs> So everything's downloaded. MPG, MP, whatever. I don't even know. And you're J- playing the the the, the tech geek. geek. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing the tech geek on Joanna, so yeah. I gotta learn all this lingo. They still make DVDs, not CDs, man. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't they don't make uh, those big ones anymore. Those those big gold ones that you used to put in a big old DVR. Uh, the little the the fucking. I can't remember I, the name of them. I Me mean, neither. But I know what you're talking about. The fucking the retro thing where you play music. laser discs. Laser, laser yeah, discs. Yeah, that's what they're called. Laser discs. <laughs> That's what they were called, laser dicks. And they were some laser. big laser discs. Boy. Laser disc, not laser dicks. Well, yeah, well, one of the two. Laser dicks, <laughs> laser dicks. But same thing. But those were the big ones. Those were the big, they were gold. They were like a gold color. I'm like, uh-huh. that's a big ass record album, but it was a laser disc. I'm yeah. like, hmm, okay, so that was that was the end thing in the 80s. That's what I had. <laughs> now all of a sudden, it's, it's just a, oh, plug it in your phone. Plug it where? You know, when you charge it, is that, you can do that there too? <laughs> I guess these phones are like bisexuals or something. They do all kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before I sign you out, man, do you have any special shout outs? Yeah, I want to shout out to you, first of all, for coming out here to the ranch and having a good time. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoying it. Thank you. My buddy Enrique Guzman. I love him to death. He knows knows there's there's none but love there. Everybody on the OBK project. Yeah. I uh, can't wait to see you guys again and work with you guys and get this thing done the right way, professional, yes. without he lies, he lies. Um, for my partner, Emilio, can't wait to go uh, be in LA with you. We're going to get you in the gym, we're gonna get you working out, get ready for Joanna on the ride. And for everybody out there who supported me, who's followed my career, I want to say thank you. I'm honored. I'm humbled. You guys can follow me at, on Facebook at Jose Santiago Jr., you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at actor J Santiago. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay centered on all Indie Center podcast episodes. 
If you are an independent creator and have a story to share and want to have a sit down, please email me at indiecenter.podcast at gmail.com. That's indiecenter.podcast at gmail.com. If you have sponsorship inquiries, I'd love to help local businesses. Please email me at indiecenter.podcast at gmail.com. Until next Monday, guys. Peace.